0: of the MWC Church podcast. MWC Church is a place where you can belong, believe, and become the person God's created you to be. Thanks for joining us online. Good to see you guys. Hey, so you are the few, you are the proud, you are the brave, you're not Marines, but you're you're something. Uh, thanks for coming to church. Like I know, I know you could have like sat at home and turned on, put another log on the fireplace, and just sat back and just like consumed some more Thanksgiving leftovers. But you decided to come to church this morning. Um, I know that the roads are crazy, and um, I, I, when I look around, when I see the faces, I see people that are not from Wichita. I see people that are like somehow were brought here out of because this is what we do, this is what we understand. But thank you so much for coming, guys. I believe, I'm fully convinced that God is going to do something special today. Uh, there is there is no doubt in. My my mind that, that he desires to meet with us, that he wants to speak to us, that he wants to bless us. Um, so thanks for coming. Um... Who enjoyed Thanksgiving this year? Do you guys, anybody consume like more than you should and you're just not, not even ashamed? You're like, you know what? I'm gonna go to the gym next week, but this week I just I just consumed a lot of Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, stuffing, do we have people who are fans of stuffing? Cranberry sauce, oh man, I, I love it. I grew up in, in a Mexican household. We didn't have like very many Thanksgiving things. We had tamales, like that's what we opened up on Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, until I, I married my wife who is not Hispanic, she's not Mexican, she's white, and uh, I have a traditional Thanksgiving now, and I have turkey and ham. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I'm just like, I love Thanksgiving now. Um, it's great. It's great. Um, so, hey, so uh, the, usually well, on, on Thanksgiving, our family comes together. I usually go with my, wife, my wife's family. I almost said white family. <laughs> my wife's family. Freudian slip there. My, my wife's family, and yes, they are, some of them are white. We got, we got everything in our family, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, literally, we really do, um, but uh, yeah, so so we go there and, and we have an incredible meal. My father-in-law, who's here this morning, Larry, you just want to put up, put up your hand real quick. Yeah, guys, be super nice to my family. Yeah, give them a hand. Give them a hand. Be super nice to them because I am working so hard to get them to move to Wichita. So um, love them. I. Pastor Justin and Lisa are here already. They're my brother and sister-in-law, so I'm trying to get the whole family here, uh, even my family back in Chicago, so just be super nice to them. But anyway, on Thanksgiving, we usually, my, we go to my in-laws, and we have an incredible time. This is the first year that I hosted Thanksgiving at, at my home, so we had 18 people just in my house. It was it was great. I love it. Uh, it just reminded me of growing up on the south side of Chicago. Uh, whenever my, my family, was like one family member would get evicted from their home, they'd all move into our house, or we'd all move in, like, it was just crazy, so, so it just reminded to reminiscing of the past, and I, and I love it. I love it. Uh, thankfully that nobody's getting evicted, but we're just all hanging out. Uh, but usually on Thanksgiving, we get excited for the meal, but we also enjoy Black Friday shopping. Do we have any people who Black, do some Black Friday shopping. It's a good time. It's you know you're, you're just you're out there. You, you got to get ready. It's like it's like doomsday preppers. You have to go with like a, a bag just in case I don't make it back home. Like I'm gonna survive out here on the streets for a week. Like like it's 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 serious. It's hardcore. But uh, my family and I we love it. We will usually look at the ads, and uh, I've typically been the one that's geeked out the hardest. Like every year there's something that I'm just like ooh I'm gonna start saving up like in in September or August for this for this one item. And uh, a couple years ago it was like a bear grills knife, like I just love Bear grills. I love the outdoors, like some of my hobbies, those of you know me, that's, that was one of my hobbies, like outdoors, I loved it, um, and then like, you know, the, the PlayStation 4 and all this stuff, like just different little things that, that, I, that I've always had my eye on, but, but this last year, there was really nothing that I, that I really cared about that I was like, I need to save up and save up and save up, in fact, when it came to, you know, uh, looking at my family, I wasn't even the most excited for Black Friday, uh, it, that, that award that accolade actually went to my sister in law Lisa she was absolutely ecstatic about the instapot. Do you have any fans of the instapot in this place okay yeah there 's a few like there 's like this like little gang that like meets up on the weekends and just talks about the instapot i 'm sure uh, but my, my sister in law was a huge fan on Wednesday, Wednesday she was like raving about the Pot, she, she was talking about how this thing, like, I don't know if you've heard of it. it it's it's a, 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 a pressure cooker. It steams rice. It can like hard boil eggs. It like literally can, can pay your taxes for you. Like this thing is incredible. Uh, the Instapot is, is amazing, right? And, and my, my sister-in-law was letting everybody know she was geeking out so hard. She was watching YouTube videos, looking up reviews. In fact, she even sent me an article on 16 wonderful things that the instapot does right like and and i don't even care about the instapot but but my 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 sister-in-law was so excited about it that it was just like oozing out of her like anybody that would pay her like anybody that would glance her away she'd be telling me a little bit about the instapot so you're just like walking with blinders on because you don't want to be held down for 20 minutes hearing about the instapot has anyone ever been there, though, like where, where you're super excited because, and she knows that I'm not particularly interested in it, but she knows because it's going to be such a, a time saver, a, a, a blessing, because it's going to be an incredible resource that that she has to share something that she knows, knowledge that she has, or an object that, that, that is in her possession, she knows because because she's a good person, that she shares that information with people that she loves. So So has anyone ever been there where you've been in possession of something awesome, maybe, like, listen, I know when there is a, a, a sale going on, like I can just think back in my mind, if, if there's ever a sale at Costco, some of you are like, you better hurry up and get to Costco because they're selling $6 pecan pie. And yes, I went to Costco and got myself a $6 pecan pie, it was great. Uh, but we share, right? We, we share resources or information that we possess that has been a blessing and a benefit to us with the people that we love. That is why I'm convinced that today, my number one objective is to share with you something that I have possessed, a, a, a resource that has been given to me from the Lord, uh, a, a blessing, a benefit, and an something that is added to my life that has been so tremendous that I feel as your pastor, as your friend, as someone who genuinely loves you and prays for this church, I have a responsibility. Like my sister-in-law had a responsibility with the Instapot. I have a responsibility to share with you something that I love, something that has blessed me. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I was pretty hesitant on whether or not, when I was planning this series, whether or not to, to either end it last week or and then jump into a Christmas series this week or wait for next week, and, and the more I began to read Ephesians chapter 6, the more I began to, to study the passage, the armor of God, the more convinced I became that I would not be doing the passage justice if I were to go ahead and skip Verse 18. Right? We, we've, we've already like exegeted. We've, we've extracted out of the text everything from Ephesians chapter 10 through 17. We've talked about every single armor piece. We've talked about the, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We've talked about the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. We've talked about the helmet of salvation, the, the, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, everything we've talked about and we've jumped into and we've been challenged. And God has been doing some great things. But I'm fully convinced this morning that Paul, when he was writing to the original Hearers of this epistle, the original readers of this text, and subsequently ourselves this morning, his desire was not that we would stop at verse 17 but continue on into verse 18. Let's go ahead and read that text together. What Paul in our warfare, desires to continue to give to us. Paul understands that he is in possession of something else, that that it's not enough to just wear the armor of God. There is something else he desires to give us, and I believe us this morning as well. Verse 18 starts off with the word and. In addition to, when you're giving a list, You use the word and, and that usually predicates that there is something else that will be followed, the final thing that would be added to that list. He finished listing off every single armor piece that I just listed to you, and then he says and, everybody say and. And, "And," meaning in addition to, look what he says. Pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Continues on. Look what he says in verse 19. He tells us specifically pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Verses 18, 19, and 20 I believe although they are not a specific armor piece that Paul gives us or lists out, nonetheless, he still gives us a final addition to that list, prayer, prayer. Friends, the armor of God is only effective when wielded with the power of prayer. Let me say that again, the, the armor of God, everything that Paul just gave us, and, and it is some mighty powerful armor, it is, it is strong enough to, to tear down strongholds, it is, it is powerful enough to divide anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we know that the armor of God that Jesus has given us, the might that he has ordained, or, 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 or given us, gifted us, is powerful, but unless we wield it under the power and influence of prayer, it is useless, you're just someone who is taking up space wearing a suit of armor and not doing anything with it. We need to, where do we do battle? How do we do battle? In the place of prayer. Paul says not once, not twice, not three times, but five times. Pray, 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 pray. Prayer is important, friends. Like Jesus has saved us. We've been delivered we just sang about our, our debts being paid for, taken from, that he has, he has won it all. But there is still something left. We need to pray. We need to be people of prayer. And He says this. So the armor of God is only effective and wielded in the place of prayer. And He specifically lists three ways to pray. The first one, He says, pray in the Spirit. Everybody say, pray in the Spirit. I'm gonna take some time talking about praying in the spirit, but I also wanna talk about the two other things that he says. He says, pray in the spirit, then he says, pray for all of the the Lord's, or pray for all of the believers, or all of the um, the, the Lord's people. He says specifically. So, so I'm just going to say really quick: we need to be praying for each other. You know, through the week, we we are a body of Christ. You are not just an individual who comes to this church who takes up a space in a in, in, a, in a seat. You are a member of this of, of, the, of the of the body of Christ, the greater body of Christ. Like if you went to uh, you know the, the church across the street, like like they are the body of Christ, the the, the capital C church. But but you are also a member of this small gathering. If you have, have been coming here, if, if you have uh, been, been benefiting from, from the preaching of the word here, if your children benefit from the ministries here, like, like you should consider yourself a, a, a member of this gathered body. And we have a responsibility, one, to each other. We need to pray for each other. Even if you don't know that person, if you look, I mean, right now, you're looking around I mean, you should be praying like, Lord, I pray that this person's okay and I pray that they, try, they had a good uh, Thanksgiving and I hope their families are. Like, we need to pray for each other. That's, that's a mandate from Paul. The second thing he says is, is, is pray. Paul says, pray also for me. Yes, amen. That, that when, I, when I preach the word, that when I proclaim the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus, that I may do so fearlessly, fearlessly for I'm an ambassador of Christ in chains. I'm gonna say that the way we, like hopefully you're not praying for Paul anymore. He's doing fine, trust me. Um, the way we apply that is, is, is pray for your, for your pastor. Pray for me that when, when we preach or when I preach or when anybody who comes up here, one of the leaders on our, on our staff, um, that, that we lead and we pray with, with fearlessness and boldness and we trust the Lord and we make decisions that are in, in line with the word of God, yes, but that are also um, in tune with the Holy Spirit. So, man, let me, let me just ask you as, as your pastor to, to pray for me some of the best things you can do for me. More than like some people think like, oh, pastor, I tithe. Like, That's great, but, but really that, that doesn't benefit me as much as it benefits you and in, in the Lord. Like tithing is, is between you and Jesus. You want to bless me? Pray, pray for me. But keep tithing because we, we need that. <laughs> we need to keep the lights on when you do ministry. But seriously, pray. But I want to spend our time this morning and I'm just gonna give you a forewarning. My desire is for us to have some time to pray this morning and pray at the altars. I know like we've got nothing to rush to. You're gonna take 30 minutes to drive home anyway. Let's just spend some time and pray, let the snow melt. But um, my desire this morning is to, is to teach you something you've probably never been taught before. If you were like me when I first started coming to church and I, and I heard this teaching, it was foreign to me. I, I've, I've never heard this before, but I want to spend some time talking about what Paul specifically says or in t- means when he says, pray in the spirit. Everybody say, pray in the spirit. What does the phrase pray in the spirit mean? We're going to spend some time unpacking this truth and we're going to be going deep. Everybody say, deep. We're going. Yeah, oh, thank you for that baritone. Yeah, we're going deep, like seriously. So we're going to be flipping through scripture. I'm going to be pulling out texts. Um, if if you are someone who takes notes, I encourage you to jot these notes down, study them on your own time, and, and pray about what I'm about to, to just drop on your shoulder and, and place. I really place on your lap gently, right? Um, Ephesians chapter six says, "Pray in the Spirit," verse eighteen. Pray in the Spirit. What does he mean by pray in the Spirit? Let me first. Let me first say. Uh, what he doesn't mean when he says pray in the spirit, what Paul does not mean when he says pray in the spirit is to is to pray spirited. He he, he does he's not saying hey when praying in the spirit means this. He's, he's not saying this. It means to pray loud, with cadence, with good verbiage, with sound scripture and theology. Although those those things are great. Like I love when when I remember when I first got saved at, at a church in, in like on uh, in, in East Indiana. Um, I remember there was this lady, uh, Sister Mary. She she would she was uh, this awesome black lady. She grew up on the south side of Chicago too, so we always had like some some connection. But whenever she would pray for me, like she'd be like Jesus, like she would say oh, at the end of every word, and I'm just like yes, yes. Like her prayers were powerful. They were anointed. Like she, this girl, man, this lady, sorry, this this sister, she could she could pray. She could pray, and I loved when she prayed for me. But you know what? She'd be the first to tell you that that it wasn't the volume of her prayers. It wasn't the cadence, it wasn't her, 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 her ability to extract awesome and applicable scripture that was encouraging, that was praying in the spirit. No, it was something else. There was something deeper. It was, it was, it was the spirit of God in her that was allowing her to even pray that vibrant. In fact, I've been prayed for for people who were actually very monotone in their, pre, in their praying and experienced the power from that prayer. Why? Because they were also praying in the Spirit. So I want to be clear that praying in the Spirit does, does not just mean that you're going to be loud and vibrant and excited. I think those can be a result of being someone who's praying in the Spirit, but that's not necessarily praying in the Spirit. Jesus even talks about this in Matthew chapter 6 when he says this, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And what is the reward Jesus is talking about? Their reward is the fact that they're drawing attention from people. That's their reward. That's the reward in full that he's alluding to. He says this, "'And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans.'" Uh, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So Jesus is, is not saying there's anything wrong for being someone who prays standing up in the synagogue or on the street corners. There's nothing wrong with someone who continues to ask the Lord over and over and over again the same things. He's saying this, when you are relying on those things when you are relying on your posture or or your volume or when you're relying on your, your your word choice to push your prayers forward and not on the Holy Spirit you are like a babbling fool you are like a hypocrite a a pagan So again, Jesus isn't saying that that those things are particularly wrong or evil. He's not saying that the things like posture or praying in public or 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 or, or, or articulate verbiage or or, are sinful or ineffective. But when those things become the elements we rely on to carry the prayer forward, we are rendering our prayer powerless and ineffective. So praying in the spirit is not just emotionalism. There's something deeper. You know, whenever I go grocery shopping with my kids, August, Desmond, and Aubrey, um, usually what I'll do is when we're pulling up, it's usually Costco, we'll go to Costco, we love Costco. Anybody love Costco around here? Oh, thank you Jesus for Costco. That place is, man, that place is great. Specifically because they have the carts that have two like, like, like kid seats and then they have the bucket seat or the, the cart seat. Like that, I love it, I love it. So, so we get there and we, we're, we're, you know, we pull up to the parking, the parking spot and I'm like, all right guys, we have like a briefing, right? I'm like, all right, guys, listen. We're about to go to Costco. Don't ask me for toys and don't ask me for candy. Aubrey's three. She's like, okay, dada. Uh, August is three. He's like, okay, dada. And and then Desi's one. So he's like, ah! He just screams, right? So I'm gonna say, I'm like, okay. I'm gonna assume that that is your yes, right? Maybe you're talking in tongues, right? Something. So I grab him. I put him in in, the, in their car seat. August goes, or, or I'm sorry. Aubrey goes on the right. Desi goes on the left. And then August goes in the actual cart because he's the one that I trust to not jump out. I'm like. Okay, you're just gonna hang tight there, right? Just, just sit down, we're all good. So we're going in there. I'm like, remember what I just told you in the card. No toys, no candy, don't even ask me. Like, that's not gonna change anything. And you, we have the same route every single time we go to Costco. We start in, I don't look at the electronics because that's temptation, I don't eat that in my life. And I'm just walking past those things. We go straight, we go left, we go left and we start serpentine, uh, going through every single aisle. We we go through groceries first, and we go first we get like some medicine if we need it, and, and toothpaste and things like that. Then we get food, and get bread, we get tortillas, all that stuff, and and then right about the frozen food section to the right, that's where the toys are. Like they do this, they do this strategically because it's like this is where you're starting to get tired from your long journey through all of those aisles, and maybe you're going to be you know a, a, a sucker right for, for your kids when they start saying, oh da da, and my kids do this all the time. August is like, oh, dada, look at that teddy bear, and I'm like, yeah, that thing's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, and he's like this huge teddy bear, and Aubrey's like, the dresses, dada, look at the dresses, and and I'm like, yeah, those are really cool. And then they be like, somewhere in their three year old minds, they just forget the the ten minute briefing we just had in the car where I told them, don't even ask, like like don't even do it, right? Because we just we just can't. I like don't ask for candy, don't ask for toys. It's not in the budget. We can't do this. You have tons of things. You don't need this, right? and, and And by the time we get there, they start asking, and then sometimes those asks and those pleads turn into tears, and they start crying and and you know what they they start expressing with a lot of emotion and they stay persistent, and they keep asking and asking and asking and And you think that this is where I begin to break down because, you know, oh, he's a good dad, he's gonna give. No, I'm a good dad, so I'm not just gonna give them what they want. Right, I, I, I look to my, my heavenly father and I understand something, that in the place of prayer, sometimes when I'm pleading and praying and crying and, and asking for things that, that are contrary to his will, that it, in, in the word of God, when I'm, when I'm asking him to bless this relationship that I shouldn't even be in, or when I'm asking him to, to bless my finances, when I'm not even doing the simple thing of, of walking in obedience and the tithe, when, when I'm asking him to, to bless all these different things or give me this and, and I'm not in a position or a place to even receive it yet because I haven't taken care of the first step of obedience the lord the father who loves me on like literally who died for me because he loves me he's like i'm not i'm not going to change my my will my, my, my ultimate will is, is for you. Because I love you, because I care for you, I, I simply can't bless this. Because I know that, that if I gave you this, it, it, would, it would supersede the ultimate blessing that I want to give you if you were to walk in obedience. So listen, friends. Praying in the Spirit is not just coming to an altar and having this emotional experience. I think that can be the result of the Spirit. But praying in the Spirit is not just about time or volume or verbiage or using great scriptures, it's, it's submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Amen. In fact, every single time, you ready for this? I'm gonna drop some truth on you this morning. Every single time we see Paul or any of the apostles, specifically Jude, in scripture use the phrase pray in the spirit. Ready for this sleep? Praying in the spirit biblically means to pray in tongues what pastor how'd you get there this is weird I'm gonna check out now I've been there listen if if there is anybody who's ever been turned off by by tongues some of you like don't even know what tongues are don't worry right at this point you're like oh man is this where the snakes are coming out no I promise you no that is ridiculous but, I, but I've been there, and, and I remember whenever I heard the pastor talk about tongues, there was a lot of, of, of baggage that I had, a lot of cultural baggage that I've acquired throughout, not just negative baggage or bad things, but, but just things that I was carrying nonetheless. I grew up in the, in the Roman Catholic Church, and, and the moment I heard about tongues, I'm like, ooh, doesn't that mean like devil talk? And that's exactly what I thought. Like, listen, if you think you're turned off by tongues, like as a Roman Catholic, anybody who was not Catholic was going to hell. Literally, that's what I was, that's what I was taught. Not, maybe that's not what they intended to teach. I don't think that's what they would say, but that's, that, that's what I gathered when I was in, in the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church. So when my parents found out that I was going to a Pentecostal church where people pray in tongues and believe in the gifts of the spirit, they, they literally thought I joined a cult. I had ants praying, for, not ants like the, the insect, but ants like my tiaz, right? Like they were praying for me praying Hail Marys and rosaries every single night, praying that I would leave like like this church that I've been poisoned into into following. I'm still in that church and they're still praying, I'm sure. But there is no denying the power of the Holy Spirit. So I, I was able to set aside my cultural baggage for what I have seemingly understood to be true and now that I've gotten more mature, been able to open up the word of God and study it and see that when we see passages that say, pray in the spirit, I'm fully convinced that he's talking about praying in other tongues. Why? Let's look at at this together. Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 18. I know this is the text, but I just want to read it. This is the first of three times. It specifically says, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. I'm saying that in that passage, he's talking about praying in tongues, praying in other tongues. Jude chapter one, it's only one chapter, but verses 17 through 20, this is the Lord's brother. He says this, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, which is where we're living in now, there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. He says, these are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith, and, so he's talking about, building yourself up by knowing the the deep truths of the word of God, understanding the deep mysteries of God, and by praying in the spirit, which I would say is, is praying in other tongues, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Still not convinced that that is praying in other tongues. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 15. This is the third time we see Paul or an apostle use the word, the phrase, pray in the spirit. He says this, therefore... I just want to give some context really quick. First Corinthians 14, he's writing to the church in Corinth because they were a very vibrant and and, and church that was operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you read through the church of Corinth, or if you read through First Corinthians, you know that they are a very vibrant church. They love the spiritual gifts, but they were almost too chaotic, right? Um, like like they were they, they were a church where, where people would just get up and just start screaming in tongues in the middle of preaching and and, and, and people were just going crazy and doing whatever they wanted, like people would be pr- Prophesying, got to turn. It was just chaotic. And Paul, because he loves the church in Corinth, doesn't say, "Okay, enough's enough. Don't even use the spiritual gifts. Those things are unnecessary." One day we'll have the word of God. You're not even going to need them. No, no. You know what he says? Let's bring order to this. Like, there's nothing wrong with spiritual gifts. They're great when the Holy Spirit is moving. There is freedom, but let's bring some order. And now Paul is teaching them how to conduct themselves and operate the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a way that is orderly. And he starts starts bringing that up here, 1 Corinthians 14, 13 to 15. He's specifically talking about tongues because there were people who would just get up in the middle of service when there was instruction who would just start screaming in tongues and then someone else would do it and someone else would do it and then they'd have like popcorn tongue fest and everybody's just going crazy. And he's like, let's stop. Look what he says. Therefore, One who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. He is saying here that that it is great, tongues, it's great that you're speaking in tongues, but you need to bring interpretation. Like, if nobody knows what's being said, how is that gonna benefit anybody? So you need to be able to interpret these things. He says this, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Did you catch it? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. The inverse is also true. When he says pray in the spirit, I would say he's saying you're praying in tongues. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. He's saying this, I, I don't understand what I'm saying up here, but, but my spirit, man, Western culture is fascinated with up here. We love to be able to understand and philosophize and, and, and understand logically. And, and, I, and, I, and I do too, trust me, I'm a, I'm a minor in apologetics. Like, like I love that stuff. The Lord says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But sometimes, I would say this in the American church, we are guilty, we fall victim to emphasizing the mind and forget about the spirit. But he says this, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. My mind is unfruitful. Friends, I'm convinced that when he says pray in the spirit, they understood that because of the time that they were living and because they understood. They saw the gifts and work on a constant basis. They understood that praying in the spirit meant praying in tongues. Look what Romans 8, 26 and 27 says. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. What weakness is he he talking about? that specific thing have you ever been in a place when you were praying where you're just like you know what i'm going to devote an hour to the lord and then you're just praying and you're going and it's awesome you're having a great time you're just praying to the lord and and you're, you're taking moments and minutes and and you just feel like man I, I hit an hour this is great and then you look at your at your watch and it's like it's been two minutes where, where, where do i go from here I said, I was going to do this for an hour. And then your, your thoughts leave you and you're thinking about the chiefs. And you're just like, how did I get here? What's going on? Like you start hyperventilating. You're just like, there's a sale at Costco. Like, like, like who's been there? Please don't, like, I, I hope I'm not the only one. Who has been there where well, they're praying and then you find out somewhere, thank you. You shamed the devil by telling the truth, right? Like, like you, when, when you just like lose track, but here Paul is saying, The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The moment the flesh comes in and takes over in that place of prayer, for we do not know what we ought to pray for as we desire or as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. How? With groanings too deep for words. What are those groanings? Too deep for words. I'm saying He's saying when you pray in the Spirit, you are groaning words that are too deep for for words that you understand, that you can audibly understand. Praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit is is perfectly praying the will of God. He intercedes for us. He's praying exactly what we should. He says this, and he who searches hearts, the Holy Spirit he's talking about, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints According to the will of God. When you pray in tongues, you are praying the exact will of God. Is he saying that you shouldn't pray with your mind or with your words? No, he says pray with your mind, pray with your words. You better quote scripture in your prayer. That's powerful. This is the word of God. It's powerful. But in those moments when you have no words, when you're lost, when there is something that has just hit your home and it's too big for words, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us with words, with groanings that are too deep for mere words. The syllables that we somehow construct to, to convey thoughts that don't even come up to the heavenly places. Like the Holy Spirit prays that perfectly. So, so pray in the spirit, Paul is saying. So some of, we've talked about praying in the spirit Meaning tongues. But are tongues for today? Like no theologian, no pastor um, worth their salt, who's a credible source, would ever say there has never been spiritual gifts and there has never been tongues. They, they they all agree, everybody agrees. Everybody who is a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, would stand to agree and say, There have been points in text where it talks about praying in other tongues. Right? So the question remains, are tongues for today? Now some would say no. And they would say that that tongues are not for today because tongues are weird, right? Like, let's just be honest. Some people are like, that that's just weird. I don't know why tongues were selected. I don't know why the Lord, whenever he would baptize his people in the Holy Spirit, chose tongues. Like, if I was God, I would have chose something different, like levitation, like something that's just, like, really cool, right? Like, like that would have been great. I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm levitating. This is awesome, right? Uh, but he, he selected tongues for some reason, and if we had, like, three hours, I, I would get into this, and, and I would point us back to Genesis chapter 11, how when in, in Babylon, or the Tower of Babel, when, when the Lord confused their languages, it being reverse in Acts chapter 2, when he gave them uh, tongues that was like they were together in one place. They were seeking after God, and he gave them one language, right? The, the gift of tongues. So, so I would say that's a complete reversal, but I don't have time to unpack the theology of glossolalia, so we were just going to keep going, right? So, so I would say this. I, I sure know if I were to pick a, a physical sign, it probably wouldn't have been tongues because it's weird, but I'm not God, and who am I to argue with the, the sign that he chooses to give his people when they experience this second baptism. Like, I want, I want to pause here because you're just like, baptism, what are you talking, pastor? I believe in this. I believe that there are three baptisms that every Christian can and should desire to Experience. The first one happens at salvation. The moment you make a decision for Jesus, you receive you are baptized in the name of Jesus. You have received the the, the Holy Spirit in full. The Holy Spirit now dwells within you. There is nothing you are lacking. If you are a cup, you are full to the brim with the Holy Spirit. So I don't want anybody to hear this that I'm talking about tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit saying, Am I lacking anything? You are not lacking anything per se when it comes to being full of the Spirit. But there is another baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we see numerous times in Scripture that we're going to unpack here in a few moments, that is an overflowing of the Spirit. Listen, we are leaky vessels. By that I mean there are moments where I'm full of the Spirit and because I'm on this side of eternity and there is sin and temptation, sometimes I leak. Sometimes I get mad at my kids and I get, get angry with my kids or sometimes I say things to people that I don't mean or do things that I don't mean to say. Like Paul even talks about I do the things I ought not to do and I don't do the things I want to do, right? Um, we are leaky vessels. We, 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 we spill from time to time, which is why Paul admonishes the church and us in Ephesians chapter five where he says keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says this, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is he saying there? He's saying this, when you see a drunk person, they got there from consuming something. Um, you just don't stay drunk, you have to drink something. Now, I don't know this, but uh, my, my wife tells me, I'm just kidding, <laughs> she's not even here to defend herself. But consuming he says, don't 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 be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means that, means that we, we leak. And it, if you think that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a one-time experience that happened at an altar, at a camp like 20 years ago, or some, some experience you had one time when you were praying at, at home, like, I'm telling you this, that, that God desires to keep filling us with His Spirit, that, that today He wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit, that you have been leaking all over the place. This Thanksgiving, you were leaking like crazy, and His desire, because you were talking about politics with your family. I know you were. His desire is to fill us with His Spirit, to overflow in our lives, Jesus tells us that that there would be streams of living water pouring out of us. His desire is to fill us with the Holy Spirit. So just because it's weird, right, just because tongues are are weird does not mean that they're not biblical. They are, friends. The other argument that we hear is that, that we have God's word and we no longer need tongues. Right, that that this is perfect, and, and that there's no necess- there's no need for tongues because the, the the perfect has has arrived. They get this out of First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses eight to ten. And I want to be careful when I say they. I'm not trying to create an us versus them conundrum. Like that's uh, listen. I have friends who who don't believe in Pentecostal theology, and I love them. There are pastors that I'm blessed by their ministry, uh, and they aren't Pentecostal. They they don't believe in tongues. John Piper, R. C. Sproul, like like I, I love these guys. But when it comes to the area of 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 belief. In, in Pentecostal theology, believing in tongues and the, the spiritual gifts, this is where we like no longer hold hands and we just like, arm in our, like, like we've put hands over our shoulders, but we're still brothers in Christ, right? So it's, you can have differences of an opinion, uh, but I'm just right and they're wrong. So uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we have God's word, we don't need tongues. That's what some people say, it's a false argument. Verses 8 through 10, love never ends. As for prophecies, this is where they get this text or this argument, as for prophecies, they will cease. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. That's the argument, that this is the perfect. The word of God, the Bible is the perfect. To which I'd say, yes, this is perfect. It's beautiful. The Lord has preserved this. He loves us. This is, this is perfect. But he's not talking about this perfect. Look at the verse 12. Look what it says in that same chapter. He says this, For now we see as in a mirror dimly, but then someday, someday soon, we will see face to face. And now I know in part, then in that time I will fully know, even as I have been fully known. That is the perfect. What is he talking about? When Jesus returns, when we are in heaven, when we know all things, when there is nothing that is left unanswered, we know all things, we know the truth, we know everybody, that we don't need to speak in tongues anymore, we don't need language, because we all speak one language, the language of heaven, the language of of the kingdom of God. But that is the perfect he is talking about. And he's saying, in that moment, we won't need prophecy anymore. In that moment, we won't even need knowledge, because we know all things. In that moment, we won't even need tongues, because, because we speak the same language. But guess what? This is not the perfect, although it is perfect, that perfect that he is talking to in context is the time we meet Jesus in heaven. So I would say until that moment, we still need prophecy. We still need knowledge. We still need tongues. So it doesn't stop because it's weird. It doesn't stop because we think we have the perfect. This is great, but it's, we still need tongues. The other argument, the false argument is this. Not everyone is gifted to speak in tongues because Paul also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 29 through 30, are all po- apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now the rhetorical answer to that question is no but he's not talking about the tongues that, that I'm gonna be talking about in a second or we're talking about here. He's specifically talking in the corporate public worship setting. He's saying, should all be speaking in tongues? No, in, in public. What I'm gonna say here is that in, this, in 1 Corinthians 12 and in chapter 14, Paul is doing a separation He is adding two nuances to the gifts of tongues. He is talking about how it should be conducted in public and how it should be conducted in private. When Paul is saying to pray in the spirit, to wield the armor of God by praying in the spirit, I'm saying this, he is talking specifically about praying in tongues in private. But when he gives instruction on how to conduct ourselves publicly, he's not using that same instruction for how we conduct ourselves privately. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with me? So there is a a separation of private tongues and public tongues. But he says here, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Verse 10, to another, the spirit gives various kinds of tongues to the other interpretation of tongues. So some people have said, well, that text says that we don't all speak in tongues. And I'm going to say this. That's just one text, and he's talking about public worship. He's not talking about private worship. He's talking about how to conduct yourselves publicly. We shouldn't all be screaming in tongues publicly, but privately is something completely different. Privately, when we are just with the Lord, we should and we could, and we should be seeking that gift. Why? Let me, let me show you in chapter 14, when Paul is also given instruction on how to conduct ourselves publicly, he is given a great list of the benefits of praying in tongues privately. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. I know this is a lot of theology, but let's just, let's, this is good. I'm praying that this blesses you. I, I have a feeling the Lord wants to do some powerful things in us and open up your hearts and your minds to things that, that you maybe have at one point turned off and said, that's not for me. I pray that this morning you say, Lord, I want whatever you have for me. You want to fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to show you what tongues, the benefit of praying in tongues are. So the first one is this. When you pray in tongues, you are speaking directly to God. You are praying the, the perfect will of God. Look what he says in, in 1 Corinthians 14. So you can like read this passage at home, but I'm going to break down every single verse here. Verse 2a, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. The second thing, the benefit is, is that you are building yourself up when you pray in tongues. Like, like, there is just something about praying in tongues, and, and yes, I, I, I practice that all the time. In fact, like um, like Paul says, I, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I hope, like, I, seriously, like, there's a benefit of this, and, and I know that when I personally am praying in tongues, when I'm in, in my office or when I'm in, at home and I'm just praying and I'm just praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, like, there is something that is happening in me instantly that just, that, that, that doesn't get me there with just words. Like, something happens, and anyone who's experienced this can testify to that, that there is just something that unleashes in your body you. just got this boldness and this this like this power that never been there before but the bible says that you build yourself up what do we see verse 4a the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself or herself the person who speaks in a tongue or prays in a tongue builds up themselves the bible teaches us that all christians can speak in tongues look what it says so against that argument that we read earlier here here's something that i would say how you how do you like, the Bible doesn't contradict itself if it says that not all speak in tongues, but now it says that, look what he says in verse 5a. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. Paul, what are you, like, this is a, we find ourselves with a, 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 um, a conundrum here, like, there, there's, there's not balance here, so, so, so what's happening? Well, when he's saying that not all should speak in tongues, he's talking public. When he's saying that I want you all to speak in tongues, he is talking about privately, his desire, the Lord's desire for us is that we would all be able to pray in other tongues. Your spirit prays and says what your mind cannot. Verse 14, he says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. We already said that, that that our spirit is praying. We are mind, body, and soul. Mind, body, and spirit. When we are praying in tongues, it is just our spirit praying the truth of God, the the ultimate will of God. Verse five, you can pray and sing in tongues. Tongues. You can pray and sing in tongues. What, pastor, are you talking about? Verse 15. So he says, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. This past February, I went to a conference, a church planning conference called Church Multiplication Network Conference. It was um, perhaps one of the most powerful conferences I've been to, and... Uh, there was a a point where one of the pastors, Scott Wilson, at at Oaks Fellowship Church in Texas, um, who's who's a a church of uh, thousands, thousands of people, um, he was once afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He was afraid of tongues. And he grew up in the Assemblies of God. He grew up as a Pentecostal. But then as his church began to grow, he thought that he had to stop operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because it would scare people off. And, and then one day he tells his story. He's like, one day it hit me. The people that are coming to my church, they'll read their horoscope every single week. But the moment we start talking about the supernatural things of God, they get turned off? No, like that's stupid, right? So, so he's like, we're gonna go after everything God has for us, right? Like they have dream catchers hanging in their bedrooms and they they read, they read their fortune cookies and put it underneath their pillow at night. But we start talking about tongues. They're like, oh no, I'm terrified. He's like, no, we're jumping in. Whatever God wants for us, we're gonna have everything he wants for us. And and I'm gonna say this as, as a pastor, as someone who loves you and cares for you and sees this city as our mission field that wants to see thousands coming to Christ. I know that I don't have enough power in myself and my ability to be logical and, and intelligent, that I need something else. I need the Holy Spirit's power in my life. If I wanna see what I saw in the book of Acts, when I see thousands, coming to the the Lord in in, in Ephesians or in the church in Ephesus. I I need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I'm praying that as a church, we do so, we operate in a way that is orderly, kind, considerate of others, and in tune with the Holy Spirit. I I need it, friends. I I can't preach without the Holy Spirit. I can't live my life in this day and age without the power of the Holy Spirit. I need it if we are gonna be the church that God has called us to be, we need the Holy Spirit. Now, I am not saying this to scare people away or to drive anybody out. I'm not, dare, I, I would dare not say this as someone who feels spiritually elite to those who have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not my heart. But I'm gonna say as a church, we need it. And Paul says that we can all pray and sing in, in tongues in the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanna show you this video of, of, a, of what we saw or of what we experienced at this conference. I show you that video not because I'm gonna say, okay, everybody repeat after me. Let's, let's go ahead and sing in some tongues. I say that because there were gathered pastors who were hungry to see the Lord move in ways that their cities have never seen before. And God has done some great things through this church in the last 100 years. 2022 will be our 100-year anniversary. We've seen dozens of pastors and people come to the Lord, not pastors come to the Lord, hopefully they're followers of Jesus before they became pastors, but we've seen dozens of pastors and leaders in this church and we've seen dozens and hundreds come to the Lord. Come on, Debbie, stay with us. But it didn't happen on accident. It came because those individuals wanted to see a move of the Spirit in my desire and the Lord's desire more than my desire is for us to be a church empowered. Empowered by his Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's not just about speaking in tongues. Tongues are just the sign. Please understand me. It's not, it's not just tongues. Tongues are just the sign of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And I'm not asking you to, to, to seek tongues specifically. I believe that tongues are, again, a sign, a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer, in a few moments, I want us to just spend some time to just pray. I'm going to ask some of the leaders to come forward in a few moments. And and we're just going to pray as a church. Or if you want to pray at your seat, you can pray at your seat. If you want to come to the altar and and pray at the altar. But but I want to read some text to you continuing on in that the benefits of speaking in tongues. Paul said this, that he, he admitted he spoke in tongues more than anyone else, and he thanked God for it. Look what he says in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 14. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct. So again, in the church, when we're gathered, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct the body than 10 thousand words in a tongue. So he's not saying that tongues are bad. I I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but when we are gathered in public, I would rather speak words that are edifying, things that are going to instruct. And then in verse 37 through 40, he concludes this entire discourse on the spiritual gifts, both in public and some in private. He says this, verse 37, if anyone thinks he is a prophet, if anyone thinks he's spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Paul is throwing some haymakers. He's saying, listen, what I am teaching and what I'm about to say here are not from me, they're from the Lord. And anybody that doesn't recognize this does not recognize Jesus. Look at the next verse. So this isn't me, because I'm passionate. This is the Lord. He says this, so my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, which is to instruct out of the word of God, but supernatural truths and teachings. So seek to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done or decently and in order. Listen, friends, the Bible does teach us that tongues are for today. Matthew chapter three, verse 11. I'm going to throw some scriptures and then we're going to pray. Matthew chapter three, verse 11. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he, meaning Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This same proclamation, this confession of John is in every single gospel. In Matthew chapter three and Mark chapter one, In Luke chapter 3 and in John chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all testify that Jesus will baptize us in the Holy Spirit and in fire. There is complete agreement amongst all the apostles that his desire was to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Jesus even says this in Luke chapter 11 verse 13, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to all those who ask him. Listen, you receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. You receive the Holy Spirit. You are full of the Spirit when you come to Jesus, but he wants to give you more. He is a good father, and if you ask for more, he will give you more. He says, how many of you, though you are evil, if your son asks for a a fish, we'll give him a snake, or if if they ask for for, for a piece of bread, we'll give him a, a rock or a scorpion. He says, none of you. So how much more will your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit. I need more. I'm hungry for more. I'm not content with with what I experienced almost 10 years ago, to 13 years ago when I got saved or that time when I had an encounter at an altar when I got called into ministry or that time I got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues for the first time. Like, that's not enough. I need more today. I need more today. Mark 16, 17, Jesus tells us this, and these signs will accompany all of those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. John chapter seven, verse 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, I'm thirsty, Jesus. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, some have said this is just talking about salvation, but but that's not the case. Look what he says in verse 39. Now, this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in were to receive. For as of yet, the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is talking about Acts chapter two, which I want to read real quick. You know, there is a point. Some people say in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in other tongues, that was their salvation filling. Like that's when the Holy Spirit filled them in salvation, but but that's not the case. That happened in John chapter 20, verse 21, where Jesus met with them after the resurrection and he appeared to them in that period of 49 days and he showed them the wounds, the scars in his hands and on his side. And they, 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 they didn't believe in him. I wish we, can have, we had, wish we had time to read that text. They didn't believe in him. But, but he showed to them and said, I'm, I'm alive. Then he, and the Bible says this. And then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. The word. In the Greek, breathe means pneuma, which is the same word that we use for Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. He said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." So in that moment, they believed in Jesus. So that's when they received the fullness of the Holy Spirit at salvation. But then there was a second time where the Holy Spirit baptized them with power, with fire for action, for intimacy, greater intimacy with God. In Acts chapter one, he said, "This do not leave Jerusalem." This is as Jesus was ascending into that into heaven and they were looking at him and he's giving them these final commissions. He says this, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. You think you're powerful now. You think you know the truth. You've walked with me for three years. You know the word of God. You've seen my example. I've I've told you to cast out demons. Listen, you're not powerful enough for the mission I'm giving you. We're called to save the world. You need more. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. So they stayed in Jerusalem and they began to pray and pray and pray. And guess what? They were terrified. They were walking in obedience, but out of terror, not terror of the Lord, but terrified of the people around them. So they boarded all the windows. They were afraid they were going to get crucified next. They locked up the doors. They locked up the windows. They were huddled. They were afraid. And then something happens. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. By the way, this is the first and only time that we ever saw a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire, it says here. Tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. We see tongues in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10. We see it at Cornelius' house. We see it in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesians, when the Ephesians brother, Ephesian brothers, man, we, we can spend years on this, past, on this topic alone. So then they began to speak in other tongues. People were like, what's going on with these people? They're, they're weird. Something's happening. No, 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 no. Listen, they were just hungry for the Holy Spirit. They wanted more of God. And they were walking in obedience and praying for more, and the Holy Spirit fell on them. Verse 38 says this, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which you've seen us walking through, the power that you're seeing us, the the act of speaking in other tongues. He says this, for the promise is for you and for your children And he doesn't say, and it's going to stop until the time we get the word of God. He says, no, and it is for all who are far off. Every one whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Listen, I know that there is baggage we're carrying. I've carried some myself. But there is no denying personally in my life the effect, the ramifications that have taken place the moment I got to a place of desperation where I was like, Lord, I want to do more for you. I don't want to just memorize some text. I don't want to just go to Sunday school and get some knowledge, some, 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 some teaching. That's great. We need it. But I, I need more, God. I, I need to, to wield that. I don't want to just wear the armor of God. I want to to wield the armor of God. I need your Holy Spirit, God. And when I got to that place of desperation, when I was no longer philosophizing and making everything work out logically in my mind, and I just humbled myself and said, enough is enough. Some things I'm not going to understand because I'm not God, and I just want more of you. And I wasn't seeking tongues. I was seeking Jesus I wasn't seeking the gift, I was seeking the gift giver. And I wanna do something right now. I wanna just, I want all of us to rise to our feet. And I know that there are some of us in this place who are frustrated. You have been trying to serve Jesus and live in obedience and and do everything in your strength and, and you're strong, you are. And you have the Holy Spirit. You're an incredible follower of Jesus. But, but we leak. And we need to get to a place of desperation. A place where we're like, God, I'm, I'm parched. I'm thirsty. I need to drink of you, Jesus. And you know what? He's a good father. And anybody who asks for more of his Holy Spirit will receive. I want to just, I want all of us in this place to just close our eyes and bow our head for a moment. And I just want to ask you a question. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you want more of God, I'm going to, I feel like God wants to do something special in our closing moments this, this evening. I believe he wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And listen, it has nothing to do with you. If you're thinking to yourself, well, you don't know what sins I just committed this last week, yesterday, or even this morning on my way to church, listen, this has nothing to do with you and has everything to do with God. He loves you. He wants to equip you. He wants to empower you. So I'm just going to go ahead out and ask if anybody wants more of the Holy Spirit that they've ever had before, will you just come forward and spend some time in prayer at this altar? Just come and join me. There's nothing spiritual or magical about the altar, but that's just you saying I'm I want more. I'm intentionally moving to receive more. If you just want more of the Holy Spirit, go ahead and make your way. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We want more of you, God. All of us, God. I need more of you, Jesus. I need more of your Holy Spirit, God. I want more of the power that we see in the book of Acts, Jesus. Father, we don't want to hold on to anything. We want to give it all over to you, Jesus. We're not saying we're perfect. None of us are. I'm not perfect. But I need you, Holy Spirit. Those of you who are at the altar, I'm just going to ask that you just pray. If you're someone who prays quietly or maybe in your mind, I'm just going to ask that you just begin to pray, maybe whispering to the Lord, talking, asking for more and more of the Holy Spirit. if you're at your seat, I'm going to ask at this moment that we just all in this place as a one body, if we would just lift up our hands and ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus, we can't do things on our own. Apart from you, we can do nothing, Jesus. And if you told your disciples to not leave Jerusalem, they walked with you for three years. The greatest internship and the matters of our Christian faith that we've ever seen, and yet they were not equipped enough to do the work you call them to. Father, why would we ever think we're any different? We need your Holy Spirit, Jesus. We need everything you have to offer, God. Lord, I know that there's some of us in this place that are walking around with baggage. Father, we pray that in the Power of the Holy Spirit, that would begin to melt away the same way that it says that you baptize with the Holy Spirit and in fire. May you just begin to melt away all the things that we are holding on to that keep us away. The enemy wants to keep us weaker. He wants us not to use the armor of God. Yet you tell us, Lord, to pray in the Spirit. So we ask for that, Lord. We need that, Lord. Go ahead, church. Just begin to to speak out. Begin to pray out loud. Begin to confess. Begin to repent. Just talk to the Lord. He's here for you this morning. He wants to hear the cries and the proclamations of his children. He is a good father. He loves us. You love us, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we long for you, God power us, God. Lord, we know your desire is not just to work something in this place and have a sleeve empty handed, but you are the gift giver. You are our comforter. You are our advocate, Holy Spirit. You're not just a force or something that was existent at one point and no longer exists. Lord, you Holy Spirit, you are alive and active. You want to fill us with yourself. Overflow in us, Holy Spirit. Empower us. Give us the power that we need in our families. Lord, some of us in this place have been going to church for years and years and years and are still held under the same bondages that we've had from day one. Holy Spirit, you want to bring deliverance and freedom. Holy Spirit, you want to bring power. and We open up our hearts to receive all of that you have to offer. We need you, Lord. Holy Spirit, forgive us for the times that we ignore that you're even around. But may we be empowered and equipped, understanding that you are with us at all times. May you flow out of our hearts, out of our mouths, that whenever we're talking, people experience the power, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the the gentleness, the self-control, every fruit of the Spirit. And Holy Spirit, may we experience the power that comes with praying in the Spirit. May we get to a place where words do not suffice, where we need you to intercede on our behalf. Oh, Jesus, we need you, God. You're so faithful, Lord. We don't want to walk this world alone. We don't have to. We have you. We have your power. We have your authority. Church, I just want to encourage you in our closing moments. If this is new to you, if it's a foreign concept, if it's something that you're even struggling with, listen, I'm not, I know earlier I was joking, but I'm not going to pretend like I have all the answers. But I will say this, that in my study of the word of God, humbly speaking, in my study of the word of God, in what I've experienced anecdotally in my life, I cannot deny that the Holy Spirit moves in this way. And if you are still at a standoff because of something that you experienced in the past, or maybe you feel insufficient, I'm just going to tell you this right now. The enemy wants you to feel insufficient. He wants you to feel like Maybe you've asked for this before and because you never experienced it that somehow you're just not good enough. That is not our God. He is not an accuser, that is the enemy. He is an accuser of the brethren, which is what the Bible tells us. So don't feel accused, feel invited. The Holy Spirit doesn't stop here. When you go home, when you get in your car, begin to just pray. Listen, I heard of people who got baptized in the Holy Spirit in the shower, no lie. So it's not always at an altar. Seek the Holy Spirit. Ask for his power in your life. And let me end with this also. My heart is not to make you feel inferior or for anyone else to feel superior. Listen, I don't look at myself and say, I'm a better Christian because I pray in tongues. I would never say in a million years, nor does the scriptures teach that anybody who speaks in a tongue is better than anybody else. Listen, me being filled with the Holy Spirit makes me better than me. There's no comparison with us. We are on the same team moving forward. We don't compare. We don't feel elite. We don't feel inferior. If anybody does, I want to lift you up and say, let's go after Jesus. We're on the same team here. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Thank you, Jesus. You love us. You care for us. You empower us. You give us everything we need. Father, may you continue to do more in abundance. It doesn't stop here at an altar. We're not done. We carry this with us. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you at any point. Father, I pray today while we're driving home, that you would speak to us. Father, I pray that even before we go to bed, that there would be just your Holy Spirit prompting us to pray. Father, that there would be people in this church this week who weren't even here in this service who would experience the moving of your Holy Spirit in their life like never before. Father, you are doing something in this church, something powerful, something that will be for your glory and for our benefit because you love us. We love you, Jesus. May we go in your peace and in your power. We ask this in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to the Father directly. We ask all of this and everyone said, amen.